When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. I'm Tim Priest with Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley. The 60th podcast with this trio, as a trio, covering Notre Dame football on our podcast. And it's a big one, Notre Dame versus Michigan State, the Irish 1-1. One one. Obviously a very pivotal game for Notre Dame as it relates to uh, any talk of, of playoff contention. They have to beat Michigan State. The rivalry with Michigan State, which has nothing to do with virtually any player on the current team, yet it's a topic that's been forced throughout this week. Notre Dame versus Michigan State 2016, that in itself is enough to talk about. Let's put it this way. James Onowalu, the freshman wide receiver, had the biggest role the last time. An incredible block on the Cam McDaniel (laughs) touchdown that proved to be the game uh, um, that put Notre Dame ahead 17-13 early in the fourth quarter and proved to be the game winner. Uh, physical. Have we talked about physicalness? Physical physicalness. Too. There's a physicality uh, in this game. Yeah, there it's is. very, very physical. Uh, Michigan State being physical is to the level of Tom Zivakowski boxing. Uh, you just cannot say Michigan State without mentioning physical. Apparently. Yeah, but they're not they're in not, any question or any answer. They're not week. Neanderthals for yeah. crying out loud. <laughs> Hashtag not Neanderthals. Um, yeah, it was great. A, a nice charitable description by Brian Kelly describing Michigan State's athletic ability. They're not cavemen. Uh, they actually have some <laughs> skill position players, and we can get into that in a little bit. But just from an injury note, Tory Hunter talked to him on Wednesday. He expects to play. Said he was confident. That was his word that he'll be back. Uh, that all assumes that his. He practice, said fairly confident to be exact. Both, but yeah, um, we'll see if he made it through practice Wednesday night. If he did, then he's good to go, um, and that could be significant for Notre Dame because their receiver position is. Definitely down from where it's been in years past in Michigan State. While they don't have great corners, this is not 2013 where it was Darquest Denard and Trey Waynes. Um, they should be at least pretty good on that side of the ball. Yeah, I think it's important that a veteran like Hunter's involved in this game. As good as St. Brown and Sanders look, starts to trickle downhill a little bit in this one if you don't have Hunter. Because if they're, if, I think if Michigan State's secondary is focused on equanimity of St. Brown, it's, it'd be a rough day for him. But if you have Torrey Hunter, St. Brown, Sanders, rumors that there's Notre Dame has a tight end on the team, there's a lot of ways that um, you know. Nord- yeah, it, it's it, he's like a running back, only taller, and he doesn't get the ball. He's the guy that blocks uh, wearing yeah. a number in the '80s. Okay, so he's a fullback. <laughs> uh, yeah, without the ability to block like oh, okay. a quality fullback. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, uh, and, and talk about another overplayed theme uh, pushed forward by me, uh, among others, is the press coverage. But I mean, I really think it's in Deshaun Kaiser said. You know, they're not the only team that presses you at the line of scrimmage, but they are one of the best in the country at doing it, and that's why it's pertinent this week. I mean, are they? Cause no, as, yeah, as a, as a no, program, I don't know yeah. about these corners, yeah, but as a program, program I mean, I, those those young corners have been brought up in, in that philosophy yeah, and that system. I, I think it's something they try to do. I don't know if they're good at it. Um, like I said, it's not Darquest Denard and Trey Waynes from three years ago where Notre Dame had – nothing in the passing game happening. Last year, Michigan State 
10 yard completions allowed or more ranked 110th and 20 yard completions are more ranked 111th. So I don't look at this defense as a great defense in the secondary anymore. Um, now that might be more on the linebackers though, the underneath coverage, because I think a lot of times the receiver runs off uh, the corner because they're in press and obviously the corner has to follow them. I don't know. You, you make good, I mean, but yeah, no, you make same. a good point. I mean, they're, they're, they're unproven uh, in, in that area, but that is the Mark D'Antonio way. We thought we, I think we kind of considered it being the Pat Narduzzi way, which he's taken to Pittsburgh. I asked the question to Sean Kaiser, who, who's, you know, what team has pressed you the most? So naturally it was other than, you know, Michigan state uh, probably this weekend. And it was Pat Narduzzi, of course, at, at Pittsburgh last year, but no, your your, well. po- your your points well taken. I think it's a it it's closer then because Notre Dame has a young receiving core, which is why mm-hmm. it's important that Tory Hunter plays. But we'll see how it plays out. I think your stat, Pete, of those you know ten to twenty yard receptions is really important in this game, and that's also ties in with the fact that Notre Dame hasn't thrown the ball deep. Because I, I remember distinctly what Brian Kelly said the Thursday before they played Michigan State, how you had to get chunk plays in Michigan State. You couldn't just dink and dunk them down the field. Well, statistically, that's not true anymore. So I think that Michigan State has changed a lot. Notre Dame's offense has evolved in a good way. I think Michigan State's defense has devolved in some ways without Narduzzi, but also because they don't have two first-round picks playing cornerback anymore. That's a big, big deal. And Hicks, their one corner, had two, at least two, maybe three pass interference penalties against Furman. Yeah, but you know, Pete, reading that story, that, that Kaiser, you know, not kind of eschewing the deep throw, he's got, he wants that in his arsenal. I do think they need it in the arsenal this week, though. I know that Michigan State can be vulnerable. It. you got to try it because that would open up all the mid-range and short stuff. And, you know, C.J. Sanders, look, his big plays are coming from catching the ball within 10 yards of scrimmage and then just doing what he does. I don't think Sanders is the guy that's flying down the field down the seam. It's not, it's not his game right now, but he can make 20 yards out of an 8-yard catch easily. So that's what you do after the soft underbelly, but you got to hit them deep at some point. I think I, I, I don't I don't think you're going to go a whole game of Kaiser averaging what was it? He had six, 16 completions, 165 yards. I don't think he's going to go 28 of 40 no, for 280 no. yards. In the Although game. the Z, you know, Sanders is a guy that won't be getting pressed per se, uh, according to what they're saying. Where you know it would be more St. Brown and and Hunter who would be getting pressed. So maybe that does open up something for Sanders down the field. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, I wrote about this day if you had read it, but how? What's the longest pass completion Kaiser has made this year in terms of Through where the, the ball was caught? How far down the field was it for the line? It was St. Brown's long one yards. Right. He's one of nine on passes, twenty yards or more this year for for that thirty yard touchdown. Under twenty yards, he's twenty eight of thirty two for three twenty seven, six touchdowns, zero picks. Tom Brady. So I, I think that if Michigan State is <laughs> playing press and they don't play it well or they play off and don't play it well, then Kaiser is going to be the reason Notre Dame wins this I game maybe by a lot. The, the term vanilla defense, I, I brought it up in yesterday's press conference with the, the captains. I think people in our business and fans kind of throw that out yeah. without really knowing, but there might be something to that. This week, you know, in terms of how Notre Dame approached Texas and Nevada and what they have to do in order to be successful against Michigan State. As good as the offense looks, unfortunately there's another side of the ball <laughs> that will be defending against Michigan State. Yeah, we Sometimes need- they're vulnerable to the run of the pass. So it could be could tighten the game up a little bit at, at that part. Will this be the week we see a sack? <laughs> LJ Scott. Yeah. Um, no, it will no. not. It will not. Okay, okay. Will prop, not. prop bet. Kaiser completion to a tight end or sack by Notre Dame's defense. What happens first this season? Kaiser completion to a tight end. 
I, this, I agree. Week, this week. Yeah, yeah this week. I, I, I agree. Bold. I agree with that. Third, uh, third and yeah. eight, two-yard check down. Yep. Drew Tranquil <laughs> called LJ Scott a beast more than once, and that he is. He's my guy. Um, you know, he had 20 <laughs> carries last week to Madre London's, I want to say, five. At, um, at most. Yeah, it's, I, I, I do think it was five. Do I have it here? Anyway, it, uh, it it's going to be LJ Scott and – Notre Dame's tackling, which was an issue against Texas, but not against Nevada, is something else that's under the spotlight this week. Yeah, we won't know until they tackle these guys because it's a lot well, easier to tackle them on If players. they're in base defense, they, I agree they have you. a much better chance yeah, of and tackling they will be, well. And they'll be in base defense. And they, now it, they're missing their a really good tackling corner. And they're going with the backup cornerback. And we just said he's the fourth cornerback on the team, and he's going to be under fire. It doesn't matter what combination you have at quarterback and wide receiver. Someone's going to go at Nick Coleman until he proves they'll stop them. Because you're not going to Cole Luke, and there's no reason not to attack him. He's yeah. Notre Dame's fourth corner. Well, I mean, look, Notre Dame's base defense in real game situations has faced 34 carries, allowed 107 yards for 3.15 yards per carry. And, what, and, and how many of those numbers came from Texas? Oh, just 11. 11 of 38 against for 11 for 38 against Texas. 23 for 69 against Nevada. So I think Notre Dame's base defense will hold up just fine. I think this is. One of the worst offensive lines Michigan State has had in this series recently. Um, they start; they only have really one returning starter at the same position, which is you know, similar to Notre Dame, but not nearly as talented as Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey, who we're still waiting on to sort of click and have it all happen. But I just, offensively, I just don't like Michigan State right now. Um, I don't see them having other than Donnie Corley who's a true freshman and playing in his second game I don't see that Devin Thomas um, just freak athlete on the outside who's going to torment Notre Dame do I think Nick Coleman's going to give up a couple big games absolutely I think that the receiver is sort of irrelevant there. and Michigan State's most experienced receiver R.J. Shelton which is kind of similar to you know Torrey Hunter and, and you know the, the young receiving core around him he pulled a hamstring early in the Furman game. He's had two weeks to recover from that, but he's not 100%. Yeah, so it's offensively, I, just, I think this is, dare I say it, a little bit of a Neanderthal offense. Um, <laughs> I just think they're going to try to run it and run it and run it and run it and throw it to the tight end. Um, I, they have to take some shots vertically. They would be stupid not to do that, but I think this is one of those games where Drew Tranquil's skill set actually really fits in well with the opponent um, of safety who plays well moving forward. So, I mean, overall, I, I sort of like this matchup with Notre Dame's defense. Um, I think it's a game where Notre Dame doesn't have to get all exotic or junk it up to use uh, Brian Tolian, Brian Polian's term from after the game last week. So, I... I kind of like this matchup for Notre Dame defensively, which I didn't really expect to be saying at any point uh, in September or maybe October or November. So you like the under 52.5, or do you think Notre Dame? I think Notre Dame is going to score a bunch of points in this game. Um, More than 30? I think they'll hit 30. Yeah, I think Notre Dame's 30. I mean, can you see Michigan State scoring 30? Yes. You know what? Really? I give every team with a pulse. And I'm not kidding. I'll go we'll go back and look yeah. at teams with a pulse yeah. in the Brian Van Gordon era. Have three touch three touchdowns automatically. Automatically score three so touchdowns. So you like the over. Game. Yeah, because every team with a pulse scores at least three touchdowns against Brian Van Gordon's defense. If you have a functioning human being at quarterback and he's beaten Ohio State, player of the game, he completed eight passes. If you have 
a coach with a plan. You can score. on the field when they beat Ohio State. Spartans player of the game with his eight completions, by the way. You know why? Because they were supposed to lose that game. So it was a good job by O'Connor. Managed the game. Honestly, I agree with the things you're saying about matchups. And we can sit here and talk about how young and inexperienced and shifting and injured Texas's offensive line was. And I know Notre Dame came out with the dumbest plan in the history of American college football to open a season. But we talked about how bad Texas's line was before that game. And 50 points later, we were talking about Brian Van Gorder's defense. So until Brian Van Gorder's defense stops a team that can play football, I give them three touchdowns as soon as they walk on the field. All right, State. Samson knows the answer to this question I'm going to ask you. Do you know who Mike Valenti is? Ten years ago, <laughs> the famous post-Notre Dame-Michigan State rant by the local sports person. Oh, yes, the John L. Smith rant. Yeah. Make a play! <laughs> Choke! I thought you Ruxpin was involved. That's really the historical story we should be writing. Right, at. not yet. Screw <laughs> the 10-10 tie. That was a fun game. Yeah. I'm the only person in the room that has any recollection of the 10-10 tie, and I was six. <laughs> I do remember it. It's my first recollection of Notre Dame football, but... Do you remember it, Jack? I do. You do remember it as well. But other than Jack and me and, I don't know, some old guy at the back of the room, nobody gives a damn. All right, so uh, let's move forward to picks. O'Malley, what what do you got? Yeah, I think Notre Dame will score above 30 points. I think they have to. I think Brian Kelly will open up just a little bit more with some shots downfield. I like Notre Dame's offense, the way it's evolving. I am in the 34 for Notre Dame range, and as I said, Roll a ball out there on offense. If you're the other team, you got three touchdowns. I've been a little more credit than that. I'm in the 34-27, and it comes down to the fourth quarter. Right? All right. I'll go, I mean, I think 34-23. Um, so, three so t- that three, is a different three, three touchdowns in, but maybe two point two point conversions. I don't know. Safety on the throwback to the tight end. Yeah. I'm looking at a little bit lower scoring, just because I think it it evolves into that kind of game, more mm-hmm. of a tug of war type of game. I was burned by my low scoring against Texas. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Never and, again. And, that, and that's, what, that's why I'm conflicted, but I but I think a little bit lower scoring and a little bit closer than the one you guys are thinking. And right. I think Pete's 34-23 is a bit different tenor of a game of 34-27. Do you agree? Like, I kind of see a nip and tuck... It's never safe. Do you kind of see Notre Dame being a little bit safe at some point? Um, you know, maybe for the last five minutes. Okay. Like, I don't think there's going to be... You feel like a game-winning drive is on the table. Okay. Not a game like that. Yeah, I feel like um, that's how I feel. It'll be a game-winning drive somewhere along the way. Yeah. That's why the line is... I keep going to point spreads here. I'm sorry, I'm sorry about that, but that's why the line is what it is, which I think yeah. shocked a lot of people opening at 7.5 and, and, or 7, and it's in you know, the 7.5, 8 range. Yeah, I mean, the last time Notre Dame played in a game where the line didn't make sense and I just disregarded it entirely was Texas because I thought <laughs> I Notre Dame would be a 10-point favorite, and I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Those guys are crazy. Well, I mean, I'm going to... Not make the same mistake <laughs> yeah, I did two weeks right. ago when I disregarded a line that didn't make any sense. I'm going to observe this line as actually being sensical. So that's why I'm going to take Notre Dame by 11. All right, well, that's it for segment one, Irish Illustrated Insider. we got a bunch of questions for readers after this. Welcome back to segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com, our burning up the board segment. First question comes from Irish Joke 24 Aside from points, obviously, what will be the key box score statistics needed to look like Sunday morning for Notre Dame to win the game? Uh, I think they have to be minus one or better in turnovers, and I think 
Tyler O'Connor has to look like I expect Tyler O'Connor to look. Um, you know, it can't have a a veteran Connor Cook, a veteran Kirk Cousins game. I mean, those guys threw, um, you know, there's Kirk Cousins, I think, threw for 300 yards on Notre Dame a couple times. Um, and Connor Cook, I think this was his first road start. Technically not his first road start for Tyler O'Connor, but the first start on the road where he will actually have to play well. Um, but Connor Cook in... 2013 went 16 of 32 for 135 yards. I would not be surprised if Tyler O'Connor put up comparable numbers on Saturday. You know what they're saying about Tyler O'Connor and East Lansing? He's 2-0 as a starter. <laughs> Sounds like Thomas Reese. That's the whole idea behind that comment. No, Pete, I agree with you in terms of turnovers. I started looking at turnovers the other day. Michigan State has forced 90 in the last three years, an average of 30. Uh, per season, isn't that amazing? Insane. 90 in three years. Notre Dame has created 54 in, in the previous three years. That's 18 per season. Uh, having said that, Furman won the turnover battle a couple weeks ago, 2-1 to one for whatever that's worth. But I think that might be worth something because of the youth of, of Michigan State's offense. So I think that's a key stat. And then I, I go back to red zone touchdowns. Notre Dame is 8 of 11 so far, which is a great number. The defense, the Notre Dame defense, uh, uh, only allowed one touchdown in three red zone appearances last week after a bad night against Texas. So obviously, you, if you get down there, you're going to have to finish this. I, and I tend to look at this as more of a slug it out, low scoring game. So TD red zone touchdown percentage will be important. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same thing. Only Notre Dame's defense in the red zone. I think everybody drives on them. So I think if Notre Dame can make Michigan State kick some field goals. That doesn't happen a lot. Tonight. No, it doesn't. And I, but if, if if you can just hold Michigan State in the red zone, or even in, when they're down at the twenty scoring zone, the twenty five yard line doesn't have to technically be in there. When all of a sudden they're in field goal range, don't let them come away with a touchdown. If Michigan State has to kick three field goals, I think that takes up and Notre Dame will force them to punt and get a turnover or two. Takes up enough drives where Notre Dame will win the game if if the Spartans kick three field goals. Yeah, I agree with all that. I how Notre Dame's offensive line handles the blitz will be important. Um, Michigan State had thirty seven sacks last year, which is a great number. But Kaiser's been really good against the Blitz this year. He's outside the pocket. He's been really good. Um, will Notre Dame move him around a little bit? Um, I mean, he's I think he's three of three with two touchdowns outside the pocket this year. So they they haven't really asked him to move uh, by design really at all. This might be a good game to trot that out because uh, that's going to keep Michigan State off balance, and I think it's going to accentuate the biggest growth that Deshaun Kaiser has letting plays develop Absolutely. and seeing downfield because Michigan State is not going to be able to cover for three, four seconds when Kaiser's rolling out and the angles are changing and the plays, are, you know, all the routes are changing. I think that's a huge part of, of Kaiser's development in addition to the red zone touchdowns last week, you know, and it's it's about stringing things out and extending the play. One thing about Michigan State and the, the field goals that you talked about, Michael Geiger, who's known for the big game-winning yeah. kick against Ohio State, is really a very inconsistent kicker, and he was uh, two weeks ago against Furman also. Next up, Dip98. The Crawford injury is devastating, but will having a true freshman at nickel as well as free safety, not to mention Nick Coleman's struggles, finally force Brian Van Gorder to simplify things and play more of a Diaco-esque, keep-the-ball-in-front-of-you approach in the secondary. You know, I don't think so, and not just... Not from being sarcastic, but when I talked to Brian Kelly in the summer, he mentioned that approach, and I thought that's what we were going to see this year. And then they came out and attacked Texas and attacked the second fastest guy in college football on the, on the end with an inexperienced corner. So <laughs> I don't think you're going to ever see that approach. I do think that Van Gorder probably recognizes, though, I don't have Sean Crawford. I can't do all the exotic things I was planning on doing with the nickel. I can't. 
he's I can't just lock in every once in a while with my two corners and play a single high safety. So in a way, I suppose he'll tweak it a little bit. To pro- he's got to protect him a little bit. Um, but I ask you guys on this question: Do you expect a cheap, if not touchdown, a cheap fifty yarder that should not have happened? In other words, you could get beat for a fifty yard play or beat for a long touchdown and still have good coverage. Do you expect something, some type of mental breakdown back there, communication between Studstill, Coleman, and uh, Love, and just think it's going to be? Yeah, they have one. I mean, <laughs> for a long, be a yeah. big one. Yeah. I mean, this is in Alabama. They like, have everybody has one. Yeah. That, a crucial thing, like a crucial yeah. sixty-yard touchdown. Oh, they're back in it. That type I, don't, of thing. I don't think that. I don't think that Brian Van Gorder recognizes it. I think Brian Kelly does, and has forced that upon Brian Van Gorder. You know what I'm saying? It's good enough. I mean, right? we saw, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It, it is good enough. I, I don't, you know. And and Kelly was pretty adamant about saying, you know, moving forward, this is how we have to approach it, and we saw evidence of it last week. It's a good question though, because Love Coleman Studstill, that's a there's a communication issues there, because it's natural that there are those guys aren't used to working yeah, together. Yeah, so I mean, I do think that that's a valid that's a valid question. Yeah, you know, I think one aspect of this and this this ties together. I think people are linking. Oh, you have. Poor cornerback play, young safeties, and bad pass rush. Those three things are devastating together. I think you have to put the linebackers in in the plus category for Notre Dame, using them in coverage more to help out your corners. But that that does leave you with four pass rushers, none of which are really great pass rushers at all. I think our instincts about this linebacker core in the preseason have, have... Come to fruition yes, at yes. least up we to this point. We, yes. we know what we're we got talking one right. about. We got, we got one right. You throw in Fink, we got two right. So okay. Uh, Griswold, 06. What's with the point spread? Which opened at Notre Dame minus seven, even moved further in Notre Dame's direction. Well, um, I think it kind of speaks to what Pete said and looking at that line and taking it at face value. Notre Dame is a home favorite under Brian Kelly, 13 14 and 1 against the spread. Prior to last year, it was 9 13 and 1. Notre Dame was 4 and 1. Covering that spread, I, I think it speaks to just where, you know, I think a couple things. One, Notre Dame's played a couple games. I bet Mark D'Antonio wishes he played last week because yeah. I don't think that he really knows what he has. And I think it also speaks to just where. Michigan State is without Shalik Calhoun and a natural pass rusher, a defensive end, without an offensive line that's very cohesive at this point. There's some shortcomings in Michigan State's game right now. They only had 10 starters returning, and it's just not a push-button kind of thing. You have to play and develop it. I think it says a few things. Number one, we're too close to Notre Dame struggles. Every team, Michigan State's going to have struggles too. As Pete mentioned, Alabama, they're not playing Alabama. Notre Dame can look really good if you're not playing Alabama and Ohio State, probably at this point in the season. Uh, number two, uh, kind of a little bit more on the lighter side, as Jerry Tillery said, we present some different problems than Furman did, which is a pretty good line by the young <laughs> sophomore. <laughs> I like that going into a game. He was confident saying it, too. And number three, there is a little bit of an issue I have with the line is I know Vegas has big buildings for a reason, and you see this and you want to go on Michigan State. Michigan State has been an underdog 11 times in the last nine years total. They have covered the spread nine of the eleven and won eight of them outright. Wow! Hmm. So they're pretty good as an underdog. Um, I just think we don't know anything about. I think the line's there because they don't know anything about Michigan State. It's how could you at this point from what they've lost and they just played a scrimmage. Jay Scanlon, guys, what happened to Ashton White as a corner? I liked him and thought he was a physical player. I think they like him too, but Coleman was great in August. <laughs> it's so weird to say. I mean, Coleman was excellent in August. This is something I'd like to check in with BK yeah. on at some point. Just be like. You know, is he in the? Because he didn't even get mentioned. Uh, I mean, we're talking about moving guys from positions and what's up with Nick Watkins and 
etc. Like Ashton White doesn't really get in there, so I, I, I would be curious to see what he has to say about. And that. he starts on all the special teams, which means they trust him as a player. Like he's not buried for he's a reason we don't know about. Yeah, uh-huh. and he he looked good against Texas in that role. That's a good question to ask him. He's behind Cole Luke. Maybe he likes. Hey, maybe he's just better on the right side, which means zero playing time. That could be true. Uh, J-Law won. How long can Malik Zaire keep up the appearance of engagement? Because Saturday suggested it won't be long. If he can't manage it, does Brian Kelly just put him on ice and burn Brandon Wimbush's red shirt? Has he kept up the appearance of engagement up to this point? No. I also, like, who cares? If you're one of those fans that's clutching your pearls about people on the sideline, then I guess this is a problem. But to me, it's not. It would matter if he was alternating with Kaiser still. If every time he wasn't in, he went to the side, he sat back. You know what? He's mad that he's not playing. And he's going to be mad that he's not playing. And if he gets to play for real, not garbage time. I think if Zaire's in a mop-up role, he is not going to look good this year. If you can't. If you can't look in the mirror and look out on the field with your competitor and understand that Deshaun Kaiser is so far advanced to you and is a future NFL quarterback, what are you going to do? It is what it is. I think he'll answer the bell if Kaiser gets hurt. If he, so, I think Malik Zaire would be fine. I think he'd go out there and play well. I don't think he's going to play well in the Nevada role where, hey, the game's over. Go go end this thing for us. That's not going to look good. I totally agree with that. I think that that's fine yeah. because that's yeah. the only role that you need him in. You only, you only need him in a long relief. Something happened to Deshaun Kaiser that was bad. Who cares how he looks at the end of the Nevada game? I don't. You, hey, and you can all, you know. If he doesn't want to play in those situations, you can put Montgomery Van Gorder in the game. The game's out of game's reach over, anyway, yeah. it right? Was 30, it was thirty-two to three. Yeah, I guess to answer this question, no way in hell are they playing Brandon Wimbush. Right. That's. I think that's what he really was concerned about. Yeah. They won't be playing Wimbush. L.R. Irish. When does Brian Kelly decide to incorporate the tight ends into the pass offense? As we said one catch is coming. It's coming this week. Check I don't. Down. I, I. I don't. <laughs> How you know, you I, not, I don't really. Do, do I don't you really either, care? Why are they not targeted against Nevada? No yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you have you know, getting the ball to Stefferson's more important. Getting the ball to Corey Holmes, who had a re- he had he has one catch. It was a huge one. It was third and fourteen. It was a great route, and it was important. I'm more concerned about those guys getting involved, which they did last week, yeah. than the tight ends. Why don't they get the ball? I think more. A lot of it has to do with Deshaun Kaiser doesn't get to him in the progression. So He's- blame Kaiser. Well, as Elmel and I were talking, I was like, where would the tight ends fit in the progression? Okay, you're not one, because that's Hunter. Two is St. Brown. Three is Sanders. Four is Adams. Five is Kaiser just runs it. Six is the tight end. Six is he so, thrown away, and ta- seven like, is the tight end. Tell, okay, so, so tight ends, what kind of routes are they running? Shorter routes, 20 yards and under. This is what Kaiser was against Nevada, 20 yards and under routes. Or 20 yards and under passes. 15 of 15 for 156 yards and two touchdowns. What would a tight end add to that? There's 15 of 15. I think our two years of reporting on Nick Wisher murdering Notre yeah. Dame safeties is coming back to haunt yeah, the no podcast. It's definitely <laughs> counterbalances. We were right about the linebackers. Yeah, this is not, did not work out as well. Hey, um, now, if Elizabeth Jones was around, it, it would be very, very different. Yeah, but who, it was last year when he was an inexperienced right. player. I'll tell you what. If Alisay Jones were around right now, this offense would be yeah, something. They, really they would have a lot more yeah. than one 20 yard completion in through the air. It's, I could guarantee that. Irish ND23. With the Crossroads project being completed next year, what is the quote unquote next step for Notre Dame football in terms of upgrades, either facilities wise or in general program wise, to keep pushing Notre Dame football forward? Pete, you, you talked about a, a, 
extra facility yeah, that they're I've, going to build? Yeah, I have multiple sources who have confirmed that they were, they will build a second indoor practice. Not facility, but second field. Um, so right now when we go into Loftus, it's one field that's used by all sports. There will be a second field built in the next few years. I think they're trying to raise the money to build it. Because the way Notre Dame wants to do it is I think they, they have to have either 60 to 80% of the cash on hand before they do it. Um, so I think they're in the process of raising that. There goes that, that beautiful woods uh, uh, yeah. around the, the good. The retention pond is in danger. Um, Where will they <laughs> so ever get the money? Yeah. Notre Dame to build something out there. I just, I think we all got to empty Ask our my pockets. Brain. And, yep, figure out. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that will get built. That's the next thing. Uh, they'll have a dedicated field for football and a dedicated field for everything else. And when the everything else isn't using it, it will be like when they practice outside where they have two fields and they can spread out and have some space. They're very crammed in there. It's, I think compared to other top 25 indoor facilities, it's poor because um, it's old. Yeah. They, they could use something else. So that's, that's the next thing. Finally, we have a set of over-unders. I think these are directed mostly towards me. Helmet 622 has some over-unders for us. Five cherry cokes consumed in the press box. You have to give the backstory on this right, for so people <laughs> for who people read all your stuff. <laughs> I really don't drink a lot of soda, but cherry, I don't drink any, but cherry Coke out of a fountain is one of life's greatest pleasures. And I waited 319 days since my last one in Notre Dame's press box. And yes, I know they sell cherry Coke at 7-Eleven. And yes, I know they sell them at gas stations. That's not the point. I like to avoid those and have a pregame cherry Coke by custom in Notre Dame Stadium. Other, others. Stadiums don't have fountain cherry coke. Some places have Mr. Pibb. I don't like that. It's not good enough for me to risk the sugar factor. I like cherry coke. It is no longer an option in the new press box because they have cans. And they don't even have cans of cherry coke. So other than the good people at Coca-Cola who are actually working on this for me, which <laughs> is awesome it. that they contacted they me. They literally they, are working I, on I, it this for is, O'Malley. Yeah, I, I tweeted out <laughs> O'Malley's musings bemoaning the cherry coke and immediately got an email from someone who worked at coke saying they would try to fix this issue <laughs> tremendous that they are doing it but this week total cherry cokes is going to be under one because it is not an option if someone wants to bring me a cherry coke can and it's very cold i will make an exception what if you can time. go downstairs for this stuff i don't it's not the same thing this it's, is the same as like the 7-eleven thing you know I, I need it so all right all right the, the, that's the, under the, the t- yeah that's under and so is the, the the 10 post-game celebrity drinks by the staff because it's gonna be late as hell yeah and this is, we, we I got a birthday party the next morning with the six-year-olds running around my house that's ca- contrary to most post-game for us that's when the work is beginning <laughs> yeah. so there'll be no late night and that's I'm way lucky, under. I'm lucky to get one drink in during a day game. A day game, yeah. <laughs> this is uh, could be zero. If you're, if you're finishing up your stories at 3:30 a.m. and going to the rye whiskey, Pete, you might have like, <laughs> another issue. So, uh, 14 points in terms of victory. Uh, Helmet 22 believes. I think if we get Fort Michigan State to pass, we will win big. I think the only one that could be near that would be Pete's was 11. I would I would entertain it, but I but I will be under that. Two rushing touchdowns by Josh Adams. Reasonable. It is reasonable. Um, but I would I, I couldn't go over it. No, but you could go would be it. three. <laughs> you could go. I could definitely. I could entertain a push. Fives. I could definitely entertain a push. Number of snaps by Zaire ten. Under. Under. Better be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not a good situation, probably, if that's. Or over. it's an incredible situation, right? And their name is number nah, I don't nine next week. That, yeah. nah, I don't either. And four hundred total yards. This is a great one. Four hundred total yards of Irish offense. Way over. Uh, I hesitate to say way over. I'm going to go, okay, but it gets over. But it gets over. Sneaks over? Yeah. Okay, way over, sneaks over, and hesitates. 
right. <laughs> or somewhere Hed- in between life reality. Hedging our bets on that one. All right. Well, that's it for segment two on Irish Illustrated Insider. Jake Brown is in the studio to talk recruiting. He was out in the Pacific Northwest to see a couple top prospects, and obviously they're about at least a dozen high-end guys coming in for this weekend against Michigan State. So we'll get into all that on segment three of Irish Illustrated Insider. Segment three of Irish Illustrated Insider, our recruiting segment. We have a new man in a chair. It is Jake Brown, just back from Seattle. I, we had to coerce him to come back from Seattle. It was <laughs> yeah. a beautiful Seattle, right, yeah, Jake? Yeah, weather was perfect, food was good. Uh, the work part of it could have gone better. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but I almost stayed. You'll have that. That's life on the road. <laughs> yeah. Pete? Well, I mean, first, Foster Cyril and Selvan Ahmed won. Ahmed's visiting this weekend. Yep. Announcement next week. Uh, but let's start with Cyril because he's maybe the best offensive lineman yeah, in the country right maybe now. Pr- definitely the best offensive lineman in the country. Uh, I think you can make an argument that he's the best player in the country and one of the best offensive linemen I've seen in seven years doing this job um, in person. Um, he's really, really good. He's a Notre Dame. like From a recruiting perspective, he's a Notre Dame type of kid, and I can see why Notre Dame is in the mix there um, from a football perspective. If he were not 6'7", 315, if he were 6'3", 185, he'd still be an elite recruit because he's that athletic. Um, I watched him play both ways all night on Friday, including running down a play from 20 yards off on defense to make a tackle. And he moves so, so well for a guy his size. It's, it's, you don't have to be real smart about football to see why he's one of the top <laughs> players in the country. I, if I can figure it out, I think everyone else can figure it out. Yeah, legit five-star. Ahmed, when you went to see him play, he was out with a, a wrist hand. A uh, broken finger. Broken finger. He'll be here this week. Announcement next week. I think we all sort of look at that and think, well, it's the next Kavari Russell because that's mm-hmm. where Notre Dame got a really fast defensive back from. Um, but being around him a little bit, Notre Dame fit, Pac-12 competition. How do you throw a handicap yeah, that? Yeah, um, Notre Dame fit. He does remind me of Kavari Russell. It's kind of a lazy comparison because they're from the same area, but... Kivari was a guy that always understood what Notre Dame was about, and all it took was one visit to get him uh, eventually. And I could see Ahmed falling into the same category. I just think it might the visit might be a little too late. I don't know if they'll be able to overcome uh, how comfortable he is with the Pac-12 programs, because uh, this will be his only trip to Notre Dame. He didn't get out here in the summer. Um, so you got to overcome Washington, I think, and, and it's going to be really hard to do. And let, yeah. me, let, let me just interject. I, I don't think we said. Cyril, you believe we'll end up at Stanford. Yeah, I think Stanford's a team. The distance from home is a big problem. I think he could potentially be comfortable enough with Notre Dame to pick it um, after he visits in October for the Stanford game. But it's the four-hour flight, two-hour drive. I mean, that really weighed heavily on the family, I think, when they came out here. But it's interesting because when I talked to his mom before the game on Friday, she told me they essentially came to Notre Dame for Irish Invasion to scratch Notre Dame off the list. They wanted to come see it and say, okay, that's just not going to work. And instead, they had such a good time. And here he stand, and the and McGlinchey and the offensive lineman made such an impact that they were like, kind of like crap. Like, that's an interesting approach to a trip. Yeah, they they <laughs> wanted to give Notre Dame a chance to show itself, but assumed that by the end of the trip they would scratch it. Yeah, I mean, just to spin this forward, Ahmed's visiting this weekend. I think in terms of recruiting, reading between the lines, if you set a 
decision date before you've seen a school, you're not going to that school. So Nure really would have to hit a yeah, home run with this. They kid. would have to hit a home run. And there was some talk on our board about well, you know, maybe Notre Dame could do such a good job that he delays the decision. I don't really think that's going to happen. He's committing on his bye week. He's pretty set on it. Um, really, Notre Dame's only hope is they do such a good job that he, you know, like at the last minute goes, wow, I think I found the right, found the right spot, and it's in South Bend. Yeah. Now, I mean, if he does delay his visit, obviously a very good sign for yeah. Notre Dame. Uh, among the guys visiting this weekend, it's a pretty interesting group, especially for a Midwest rivalry-type game. No Midwest guys? No Midwest guys <laughs> among the uh, the senior visitors. I think most interesting to me, Jacob Phillips, linebacker from Nashville because he can rush the passer. Donovan Jeter, defensive end, big body, sort of like sort of a poor man Stefan Tuitt type build in terms of 6'6, 260, 250 type. Uh, and then, you know, Thomas Graham, cornerback out of California, has visited before. Notre Dame needs help at corner. I mean, the guys most interesting to you are who? Uh, I would start with Hezekiah Jones, actually. Yeah. I don't, I'm curious why he's coming back up here. I mean, he, he was un, he, he was uncommitted when he came up in the spring, or maybe he was. Yeah, he was uncommitted. Had been committed to Baylor, was uncommitted when he came up in the spring. And if you're gonna, if you're still gonna consider Notre Dame, why not just stay uncommitted until you visit? He's had this visit, you know, in the works for a long time, but he's committed to Texas A&M now. I'm curious how much of a player Notre Dame is, or else why would he be here? Yeah, uh, it seems like a pretty a potential flip. Maybe later after if Texas A&M has a bad season or something. I don't know. In a real like athletically, I feel like he's a cut above the guys Notre Dame has. Absolutely. In Pouncey and Young. Yeah, like, he's the most. I guess Will Fuller like of anybody they're recruiting right now. Yeah, yeah, but and with more I think uh, strength to his Absolutely. game too, yeah. which which Will Fuller didn't have. Sean Wade, another guy definitely to know, even though Notre Dame is a long shot there. Five, I think he's a five star corner or close to it. Close uh, to it, but Florida sure. kid committed to Ohio State. Uh, he's familiar with Notre Dame is what exactly? Uh, he was here in the summertime. Yeah. He came up with his seven on seven team. Other than that, I don't think there's much the. The visit in the summer basically got him to say, well, I want to come back. Um, the problem is Notre Dame isn't really heads up with Ohio State there. Alabama and Florida are in the mix, too, to flip him. So, And there's some people that think Alabama actually leads, even though he's committed to Ohio State, which yeah. makes all the sense in the world. And just wrapping up, there are a couple 2018 guys to know. Dallas Gant, a linebacker from Toledo, who actually knows Deshaun Kaiser's younger sister, uh, according to our report from Steve Harris, so there's a little bit of familiarity there. He was here for Irish Invasion. Then Malik Van, defensive end. I know that our Steve Harris, who's plugged in Ohio, says he's not on commit watch, but of all the guys here this weekend, he's the guy that I think could go. Yeah, in any class, he's the guy I think that could go. He's had Notre Dame leading for a while, and I mean, it's like at this point, what, else? Do, it. what else do you need yeah. to see, really? So yeah, maybe he holds off for a while, but I think Notre Dame is not a shoe in there, but certainly... What's your evaluation favorite. of him? Good speed rusher. I mean, I haven't seen a ton of I saw him at the camp in the spring, and, you know, it's a camp setting. But he's good off the edge. Not a big kid, but, um, you know, someone who can, I think, actually rush the passer, which is always a need around popular. here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> popular. Popular skill set for yeah. Notre Dame to add. As far as this weekend goes, all these official visitors uh, coming in, uh, Matt Kishore and I will be paying recruit spot to uh, hopefully get a photo gallery up of all these guys from the stand and the walk. And obviously we'll have pregame instant analysis from the stadium, postgame instant analysis from the stadium, columns from Priester O'Malley and Sampson, the report card, uh, all sorts of good stuff uh, on Irish Illustrated this weekend for Notre Dame Michigan State. 
football game, recruiting weekend, all that. It's all happening at irishillustrated.com, so you can check that out this weekend. So thanks for listening to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider.